0: Love you and in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Busted a move up here. Yeah, right. Wouldn't that be something if I busted a move up here? (laughs) Hey! Knock it, knock it off up there. Knock knock it off up there. I'm not funny. I was looking, I was looking for some encouragement about this passage that I was gonna teach from Today we've been in the book of Acts and we've been learning about the first church. And, and so I asked Karen Baldwin, who's on staff here at FCC, if I could read the passage to her a couple of weeks ago. And after listening to it, she looked at me and she said, yeah, I have no idea what to do with that passage. Not, not like, oh, cool, or man, there's so much great stuff in there. No, she says, I have no idea what to do with that. And I sat there and I was like, okay, that's, that's a buzzkill. But as she explained what she meant it hit me as well that I really I had no idea what to do with this passage and that was both a terrifying and exhilarating thought all in the same moment it terrified me because somehow I needed to redeem 30 minutes with words that would be meaningful to you and I thought about Karen's response and I immediately had this panic attack But it had this sense of exhilaration at the same time because I know that God's word, God does not waste any space in his word with filler material. And that if I would listen intently enough to him that he would reveal something that would not only be meaningful to you, but more importantly, because I'm selfish this way, it would be meaningful to me, and who knows, maybe even Karen. And in the passage, it's in Acts chapter 9, verses 32-32. Through 42, It's on page 838, if you took a Bible from, from the back. And it's my prayer that God would use my words to make this passage relevant today. And I'm going to read it from big font because I broke my glasses this week. Um, but if you'd read along with me, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 32. It says, Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. And then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. Continuing in verse 36, it says there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby in Lydda, and so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas, or Tabitha, made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room, and then he knelt and he prayed. And then turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha, and she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and he helped her up. And then he called the widows and all the other believers, and he presented her to them alive. And then the news spread throughout the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. Look, here was the issue with a tension that Karen wrestled with. And I totally resonated with it, with it when she said it, and maybe you will too. She said, I've read this passage and other passages in the New Testament that speak about these miraculous, supernatural powers being exhibited by a normal human being, somebody other than Jesus, and I have no idea what to do with that. I have no idea what's instructive and applicable for me in that. She said, I've never healed anyone or raised anyone from the dead. I've never seen anyone do it except for maybe on TV, and that never just felt right or credible. I don't know anybody that's ever healed somebody like that or raised somebody from the dead. And I don't think it's because I or they lack a strong faith. So what am I supposed to do with that passage? And immediately, I could, I could resonate with that. And it made me think about passages where Jesus has performed those types of miracles. And I knew what to do with those. I knew what I was supposed to do with those things. Jesus, well, he was Jesus. And the Gospels, they were written to provide this testimony or this case that Jesus was actually God himself, that he had the authority and the power over everything, natural laws, even physical life itself, and that because of that, he was qualified to offer us eternal life. And so, okay, I could wrap my head around why those passages were in the Bible, but what do we do with a passage like this and others that speaks about a regular old Joe, a regular human being that's doing these supernatural healings or resurrecting somebody from the dead? That was Karen's tension, and I felt that tension. And frankly, I thought of just sidestepping that part in the message today. But as I prayed and as I read and reread and noodled on the passage, a question began to resound over and over again in my mind that I sensed I was supposed to ask today. And as I was thinking about that, this song clip that you heard kept looping around in my head. (laughs) If you guys have ever been to a disco or, da- or you're into dance music or maybe even rap, you've probably heard that song. I've heard this song many, many times, and not at the disco. Though I did once have a leisure suit and a silk shirt. Um, but uh, I, I heard this song a thousand times at hockey games, at sporting events. I would take my kids to hockey games all the time, and usually several times during a game, the other team would get a penalty. And that would allow our team to go on the power play, which meant that you had more players on the ice than the other team did. And the arena would blast this song to fire up the home team. And everybody would be shouting with enthusiasm and energy, I've got the power! And we'd be drawn into this reality that we had, or at least that our team had, that we had the power to make something positive happen. And that generated this incredible feeling of hope and expectation, and excitement about the potential of what could be. And as I was considering Peter encountering these circumstances, this song that just kept launching in my head, he comes upon this paralyzed guy, and all of a sudden now I'm envisioning say, I've got the power! And then he acts. And then these guys come from this town, and they say to him, somebody that we love, they've died. Would you come with us? And I'm envisioning him thinking, I've got the power to do something here. And he goes and he acts. And as you read about Peter and you read about the people in the first church, they seem to live in this reality that they had the power to make a difference in their circumstances or in the circumstances of somebody else that seemed unresolvable. Man, wouldn't you want to have that kind of power? Wouldn't you want to have that kind of power? From an early age we begin to search for the means by which we can exercise power over people, over circumstances. And we may not consciously put it in those terms, but but that's our reality. For example, what's the first what's the first thing we see when uh, of a human tapping in to that potential of using power? It's infants. They learn pretty quickly. They have this power to compel their parents to act in their circumstances. What do you call that? Crying, right? You call it crying. You students still use that tactic, only now it's called whining. So stop it! <laughs> but there it starts. And we journey through life and we become more aware of all these power sources that we try and leverage to make a difference, to bring hope and expectation and excitement even to our lives or in the lives of people around us. Is things like relationships. We leverage relationships with people to try and exercise power in our circumstances and lives or or in position in the roles that we have as parents or coaches or business leaders. Or sometimes it's in physical strength that we try and exercise to use power or use smarty pants. You use your intellect to exercise power in your life or money. Like we all try and leverage dollars that we have to exercise power in our circumstances or in the circumstances of people around us, accessing and using power every day in our lives. It's like second nature. But there's a problem with all of these sources of power. The level level to which we have them, it's limited, really. Even if you have gobs of it, it's limited. And in the end, they don't have the power to work in the things that matter the most. If you could ask somebody like Michael Jackson that question, he'd probably say that. And it's because they were never intended to be the power source that would give a person the things that we were created to have, like purpose and value and peace and freedom and joy. King Solomon, he writes extensively about this truth in the book of Ecclesiastes. And yet it seems most often we try to keep leveraging those worldly power sources as we desperately try to resolve the gaps that are in our lives. And it doesn't work. And most of you know that by now. But Peter, Peter had this source of power that was different. He had this source of power that could resolve what we would consider to to be the most unresolvable problem that a human can encounter. That was physical death itself. No worldly power source, who you are, who you know, how smart or how strong you are, how much coin you have, none of that can resolve this issue. But the power that Peter had, it demonstrated the ability to to resolve even that problem. And all of a sudden, it began to crystallize in my mind that if this power that Peter had could resolve the physical death problem, then I realized there wasn't any earthly problem that you or I could ever face that this power couldn't overcome in some way. And then in that, I sensed God asked me that question. Do you have the power? Do you have the same source of power that Peter used to heal the paralytic and to raise the dead woman? It's this life changing question. Do I have that power in me? And it became clear now what do I do with this passage? I wasn't supposed to get caught up in the specific miracle the healing, or the resurrection. But rather, I was to focus on the truth that this power that Peter had could resolve anything up to and including resurrecting somebody from the dead. And God wanted me to ask myself, do I have that kind of power? And I think God wants you to ask that question this morning too. Do you have that power? Can you answer that question definitively and with conviction because it drives what you do with Peter's miracles? It's this profound question with a simple answer. Do you have the power? It's either yes or no. I don't know is not an option. And I'll give you the hint. The only factor to consider is do you have a relationship with Jesus? It is the only factor that provides a source of power. Scripture says if you haven't reached this point in your life where you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins to be the Lord of your life, then the definitive answer for you is no. You do not have access to the power that Peter had. You still have the power that comes from your relationships and your positions and your money and your smarts, but you don't have the power that could actually perform a miracle. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you feel like you need a miracle in your life Maybe you've been gaining this awareness and this understanding that these worldly power sources cannot meet your desperate needs. It's what drove me to step foot in the church 17 years ago, ultimately to receive Christ and his power in my life as my marriage was disintegrating and my life was unraveling and I felt like I couldn't make it through one more day and I needed a miracle. And I found that through faith in Jesus and it's like that for those of you that have surrendered your life to Jesus. The answer to the question of whether you have that same power that Peter used to heal the paralytic and to raise Tabitha from the dead is absolutely and profoundly yes. It says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Paul writes to believers, he says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And then he writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that Peter used to raise Tabitha from the dead. Believers in the room, did you know that you have the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that raised Tabitha from the dead? Do you know that? And some of you are sitting in here and you think you're right in the middle of a Geico commercial. And you're saying, well, everybody knows that, Dana. Well, then why aren't more of us living in that power? Why aren't more of us living in that power? Why aren't more of us living in the hope and in the expectation and even in the excitement of that truth? As we go about our day thinking, I've got the power. I've got the power to make a difference in my life circumstances. I've got the power to make a difference in somebody else's circumstances. There is so much untapped hope in this room right now. There are so many Christians in this room whose lives are paralyzed by their own circumstances. You have the same power that Peter used to heal a paralytic and to raise Tabitha from the dead. And yet you continue to feel powerless and hopeless in your lives. Don't you realize you have the power? And so many of you that claim Christ, you're not paralyzed by life at all. In fact, life for you, it's pretty good. But you have the power of God in you to work in somebody's life just like Peter did, and you walk right by the paralytic. You ignore the opportunities that God puts in front of you to do his work, to build the kingdom. You're apathetic. You're indifferent the needs around you. How tragic, how selfish that is. Oh, you're plenty pleasant to be around. You're a really nice person, but there's nothing compelling about your life in Christ. Nothing there. I found a way to make somebody mad at me. I always get to do that. If I offended you, raise your hand. No, don't do that. Just unfriend me on Facebook. But that's the truth. This room is full of those two people. And if you're in either of those camps as a Christ follower then I won't be so bold as to stand up here and say, what is your problem? I wouldn't ever do that because I get it, I understand. I find myself in these periods of life where I become numb to the fact that I've got the power. It's, It's part of our journey. What does God want us to know and do with this passage this morning, today? He wants us to realize that we've got the power. We've got that power, and he wants us to live in it. Man, if you were in the hot sun for an extended period of time, and you were thirsty, and you were parched beyond words, dehydrated to the point of collapse, and somebody came and offered you this, the ability to quench your thirst with this cool drink of water, no strings attached, cool drink of water, what would possibly compel you to deny that yourself of that water? What would possibly compel you? Or if you were sick and you couldn't get well, and someone was able to offer you this magic pill to heal you, no strings attached, would there be any rational reason why you wouldn't use that? Of course not. Or if you were the one with that, that water or that pill and you had this unlimited supply of them, what would possibly compel you to just to cling that, to that tightly? And I know that this power that we have in Christ, it's not tangible like a glass of water where we can see it, And we can taste it. And it's not tangible like a pill that we can swallow. It's this intangible, supernatural reality. And we sometimes we just lose sight of it. But the fact that you don't see it or you can't touch it or you don't feel it sometimes has nothing to do with whether you have the power if you are a follower of Jesus. And that's why I don't know isn't an option for the answer. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, you've got the power I read that there's some models of the new Corvettes that have an engine with 650 horsepower in them. Well, you know, if you drive it like it's a smart car with 70 horsepower, that engine, still has 650 horsepower. Your lack of the use of that power doesn't change the truth that the power's there, that you have the power. And it's the same way with the power that lives in us believers from the Holy Spirit. Whether you use it or not, whether you're living in that power or not, it doesn't change the reality that you've got the power to make a difference in your life and in your circumstances or in somebody else's life or somebody else's circumstances. And that should bring you hope and expectation and, and maybe even excitement about what the potential could be. It's electrifying when you, when you live in that. It's electrifying when you see that. I want to share a story with you that I think demonstrates how this power can work in somebody's life as well as through the lives of God's people. I think it demonstrate, demonstrates both sides of this power coin. Back in November or December, I met a young man named Cody. He came to church that Sunday and I had a chance to talk to him. And then I saw him for several Sundays in a row, and I had a chance to talk to Cody more and to learn more about his story and his life. And I learned that he'd had a pretty, a pretty hard life. Many of the difficulties completely outside of his control, surely some of the difficulties maybe of his own doing, but nonetheless, it was a hard life. But as he had visited over the weeks, I began to see God stir in his heart and then I didn't see him I didn't hear from him for almost two months when he came back around I found out that his life it was crumbling he was essentially homeless he had nowhere to go at least nowhere to go that was safe and if he did he had no way to get there everything everything that that he had he could carry around in a little bag It was a tough time. It was a very tough time for him. And Cody made this decision to turn to God for hope. And scripture says that in that decision, he received the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that healed Aeneas, that raised Tabitha from the dead. Cody could answer yes to that question. But now we know that having that power and living in that power are two totally separate things. Well Cody decided he was begin he was going to begin to live in that power. And he began to do the things that he could do to make a difference in his life that he had felt powerless to do before, starting with the simple decision to just know and believe that it was possible. And he began to live in that power himself and it was cool to watch that. And then God, as only God can do, God sends some Peters down the road. And they come upon this young man that needed some healing, that needed some resurrection. And instead of passing by, they brought that power that they had in them to bear in Cody's circumstances. And this miracle story launched. And it's only just begun. Cody sat in my office three Sundays ago after church. In the days leading up to that Sunday, Cody landed a job that he had doggedly pursued And it was going to just start a couple of days after that Sunday. And Cody was prepared to sleep on the street as he has done before, just so he could be at work on time every day. But there was this man in the church with a one-bedroom apartment seven miles from the job site that heard of a young man trying to get on his feet. And this man said, I have very little space for myself, but I'll make room for Cody. And I was stunned by that provision. And as we sat there three weeks ago and we talked in my office, Cody saw just some of this pile of provision that God had been assembling from a bunch of Peters. Basic things he didn't have socks and t shirts and deodorant and shampoo, things you and I never have to think about. And there was a lunchbox and an alarm clock and a backpack. And there was a big bag with new bedding and a new pillow and groceries. And there was even a bicycle that he would ride the seven miles in the morning to work and back, which he was glad to have if he didn't have to sleep on the street. And then Cody tells me about this man he met in the lobby that morning that, that was going to go out of his way, an hour out of his way every day at 5 o'clock in the morning just so Cody could be to work on time, just so Cody didn't have to ride that bike in the dark. And then there was another man in the lobby who said, you're not going to ride that bike home every day, seven miles in the heat. I'm going to come and pick you up every day. I'm going to go out of my way and pick you up, and I'm going to bring you back to that apartment. And Cody looked at me, and I saw the, the tears he was trying to fight back in his eyes. And he said, I was ready to give up. I was ready to give up. And I don't know why God is doing this, but I'm not giving up anymore. I'm not giving up anymore. That's supernatural miracle right there. And Cody would tell you, he's got a long way to go. But the reality of living in the power day by day, it's unbelievable. Cody sent me a text message yesterday morning. It had this attachment on it. Behind my smile, there's a story you would never understand. True that. Behind his smile, there's there's a story you would never understand. That's what real-life miracles are made of. You just can't make this stuff up. What are you supposed to do with that? You are supposed to live in this power that God has given you. And so here's, here's the encouragement for you. First, answer the question, do I have the power definitively and with conviction? And if you don't have it, just ask yourself, what are the barriers that are remaining in my life that won't allow me to receive this free gift of grace, this free gift of power that Jesus wants you to have? And wrestle with that. And come see somebody, come see me, come talk to somebody in the church or somebody you know that's following Jesus and work through that. If you need a miracle in your life, why would you not make this power available to you? Ask that question. And if you can answer yes to that question, if you have this relationship with Jesus, then you have the power. So start living in that consistently and freshly in that truth today Start living in that today if you're not. And I have some thoughts for you on that. I should get royalties for this one. Download the song. It's called The Power by Snap. And feel free to bust a move when you're listening to it. Look, just just a little warning. Yeah. Listen to that throughout the day. And and I'll tell you, it's a secular song, but I've read the lyrics. There's no profanity in it. Um, I think it has deep spiritual meaning. I hear that and it gets me excited and it reminds me I've got the power and it brings some energy and enthusiasm to what's going on. Download the song. Here's something else you can do Memorize Romans chapter 8, verse 11, or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Write it on a card, put it on a rock, stick it on your dashboard, put it on your desk, write them on a sticky note and stick it on your bathroom mirror, and just let God's word remind you daily. That you've got that kind of power. You've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead in your life. Could you make it through that day today that you need a, need a miracle in? You can. Yes, you can. And then pray. Pray. It says in Acts chapter 9, verse 40 that before Peter resurrected Tabitha, he got down on his knees and he prayed. Ask God regularly to show you where in your life or where in somebody else's life he's prompting you to live profoundly in that power. Or, or if you know exactly where that is because there's a struggle in your life, then ask him, beg him to make that power come alive in that situation. This power can raise somebody from the dead. It can resolve that problem. And if it can do that, then it can work in your problem. Pray to God, ask Him to unleash it in your life. And then remind yourself that when God's power is evident, either in your life as you're working through tough circumstances and people are watching you, or or if it's working out in somebody else's life, in somebody that God's prompted you to serve, other people take notice of lives and other lives get changed for all of eternity. Peter unleashes this power that he had, and look what happened. Not just this dude now that can walk. It says in Acts chapter 9 verse 35, it says the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. They saw this miracle and they said, I got to get me some of that. And they turned to the Lord. And it wasn't just a woman that was now alive that had been dead. Acts chapter 9 verse 42 says the news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. That should get us fired up and excited. God promises that when we use the power in our life, in our circumstances, or in somebody else's, that people see that, and they respond to that. Because this power is being manifested in Cody's life. People that knew him, that knew him before, that have seen about his, how his life has begun to be transformed. They're just asking the question, how could that be? And Cody's telling them in his own words, he's saying, I've got the power. And it doesn't get any better than that. Father in heaven, Lord, I first, I want to say thank you to the ones in the room that know that they have the power, that are living vibrantly and passionately out of that power, whether in their own difficult circumstances or whether they're leaning deeply into the life circumstances of other people. May they be affirmed this morning. May they feel your smile upon them. For those that belong to you, Lord, but have lost sight of this power in their lives, may you, as only you, you can do, would you nudge them, or would you even kick them to a place where they're awakened to this power in their life, where they would begin to live out of that vibrantly and passionately where it would make a difference.